This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, good morning, Christian Family Church. Uh, it wasn't that great. I mean, serve our city. So we all got to dig in literally and help. And uh, it's going to be an amazing time as we embark upon this a bit later on in the next couple of weeks or so. But in the meantime, hey, sign up, get involved in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, are you ready for the word this morning? I am ready. So let's open up in prayer. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I make it known that I do not trust in my own limited human abilities. I trust in you, Spirit of God, now to preach through me this important subject of family values. And I give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees, come on, shout from the rooftops, amen. Praise God. Well, I want to take the opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bay for the privilege to speak to you again. And today we're starting with a new series called Family Values, all right? And the title of my message today is Building a Lasting Family. Now, the Bible talks about, and uh, in the Bible, it talks about that in the last days, nation will rise against nation. Now, many people think that that is a country coming against another country. But I believe it deals more with different types of beliefs, a nation of beliefs this way and a nation of beliefs that way. And those beliefs or the contrary beliefs will rise up against one another, right wing against left wing. Christianity against other religions, a father against his son, perhaps, and a daughter betraying her mother. And so we see that the Bible is talking about this, and so it's incumbent upon us as the church family to talk about this to you, our family, and to make sure that we do not fall into the trap of the devil, but that rather we're going to be the five wise virgins. Amen? We are living in a society where family values are a missing ingredient. It's a luxury in actual fact. When you speak on average to people, you'll find that many families are split up, divorced, don't have great uh, uh, relationships. To say that it's still my mom and dad that's married, we as a family come together on, the, on, on a regular basis, it's a luxury. It's non-existent. And to a great extent, families are fragmented and dysfunctional. So which brings me to my message today, and I'm actually so excited to preach about this, but we see that when we talk about family values and how to build a family, that you find that there are two types of families that I would like to talk about. First of all, we have blood families and we have spiritual families. Blood families, that is our relatives by blood. <laughs> and some of us, um, yeah, we, we, we love our families, amen? So our relatives by blood. I mean, those are the people you can't choose. They've been given to you. They're part of your family. And then we have spiritual families, which is what God has put together. And the Bible says that man, no man must put this asunder. So the church family are those that are brothers and sisters in Christ, all right, and through our commonality with Christ, we form a spiritual or a spirit family. The best families are those that are blood and of the spirit because you have ancestry and you have Jesus in common. Amen? So that's what I want to talk about today 
is families, and that we have two types of families, a blood family and a spiritual family. And as we saw, the best family is the one that is of blood and of the Spirit. Now, if you come out of a stable Christian family today, um, then this message, perhaps, uh, you, won't able to be able, you won't be able to relate to it a lot. But if you're coming out of a dysfunctional family and, and a messed up family, you're really gonna be encouraged by the message today or it's gonna give you some pointers on what it is that you need to do in life to build a lasting family. As I said earlier, family, we are living in a world where family values are a missing ingredient. It's a luxury, it's non-existent, and it's even fragmented. And there is a lot of pain because of these things that is going on in families. And it's because of the history, I believe, of families, where they come from and what has happened and how people prioritize things in their families that causes so much pain. Most families today have three values. Most, not all, but most families. Money, in other words, how much money do I have? Because that, that determines my importance. And secondly, my social status or my social position. I mean, I am now the manager of the branch in Nelspreet or then my family itself. So in other words, is that money is number one, very important, I have all the money, I have money, and money determines my success. That's how people define family today, money. Secondly, my social status or my position. And then only, thirdly, lastly, family. I mean, God is not even in that picture yet. The thinking is that if we have enough money, and social status, we can give our kids and our family everything they need. There is no love, there is no intimacy, and that is exactly what is needed in a family. We think we can substitute intimacy and love with money and social status. That's how it is for many families. But it causes big, great, massive dysfunction in a family and pain. You see, people, we are tactile people. We are people of touch, of embracement. You know what? You can say, I don't need anybody to tell me that I'm okay in life, that things are fine in my life. I'm okay. I'm going to be. Everybody needs to be affirmed. Everybody needs to be told, you're okay. Everybody needs to be told, I'm so glad that you're my child, my, my kid, my, my family. Everybody needs a hug. Everybody needs to feel the intimacy of a family where you can be yourself, where you can break down and then those people will rally around you and they will help you up. We see it now more and more in this day and age now, how people, and as a church family, how we're rallying to help people. But there are families that are dysfunctional and in pain and they don't have, they never get a hug. They never get told that you are worthy. They never get told that you are great. They never get told that you're gonna make it. They never to, uh, 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 are told that you are the greatest and, and, and I'm gonna support you. Whatever it is you need, I'll be there for you. And they start hating their parents and their siblings and they never engage in family gatherings Christmas, weddings, or even sadly funerals. When Pastor Simone and I got born again many years ago, we chose as a family, before our kids was even there, 
to put God first and then our family. Because we understood that the work of God was very important. And because we do that, you see, if I have God's blessing, I have everything. So this is not always easy, I can assure you. When our kids started, you know, when they were small and they, and they started to grow up in the family, the kids did not always understand or like it. Why are we going to church again this Sunday? But we decided to prioritize that church, God will be first in our family. But when there are challenges in, in the years uh, as uh, things went on, my kids would know where to come to and what to ask for. For example, we would be on a plane and Tiff would say, Dad, is it safe to fly? A little bit late for that, but in any case, is it safe to fly? And we would pray. We would always pray before we take off. I'm going for a little procedure. Dad, can you pray for me? My, my in-laws uh, would, would phone and say, I'm going for this and this test or for that thing. Would you please pray for me? And so the family knows what it is and where to go to and they understand now the benefits of making God first because then everything else goes right. The best words that I heard was when my son said, Dad, I want to come back to church. And then you know that your values and your priorities are correct. So let me answer the question today. How do I, I want to just get there. Let me just go here. Building a lasting family. In the Bible it says in Matthew, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, does them, very important, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. I want you to notice that. Secondly, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, next category, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and Blue and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So let me show you here, point number one. Jesus promises serious difficulties in all of our lives. You might say, Pastor Johnny, that is a negative statement. But look what the Bible says there in Matthew. It says there that the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Because they did not believe in the word. When, when speaking to builders, I remember when we built here in the church and even when I built my own home, they would always say is that when you put in foundations, you got to build for worst case scenario. Because if there's winds that will blow, floods that will come, storms that will come, that your house will stand, you build. When you put a foundation in, you go over the top and you build for the worst case scenario. Else, you're going to have some serious difficulties and cracks and you don't want your foundation to move because otherwise the house will fall in or implode on itself. Jesus said, build a strong foundation. Trouble will come. You will have trial and tribulation, but behold, I have overcome the world. Amen. Look at number two. Jesus promises total security and success to those who obey his word. The wise man who built his house on the rock 
and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. You see, the rock is symbolic also of a strong foundation. The rock is also symbolic of the Word of God. The rock is also symbolic of a relationship with God because it's steadfast. It's not going to move. It's immovable. So total stability who builds on His Word. And it says and goes on, let me just go here. It says, I'll get to that now. So total stability who builds on the Word. You are wise when you do this. And God says, I have a plan to prosper you. A plan of peace and not of evil, and of a good ending. If we follow what God says and build a house on the rock, good things will come to us, good things that will prosper us, of peace and not of evil. All right? So here we had number three. Jesus promises failure to every person and family that disobeys the word. There's got to be consequences to what we are saying. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, the Bible says, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and great, not uh, they'll just fall and get up again, great is its fall. So we can clearly see here that if you're, if you're not building it on the rock but on the sand that is shifting and moving, great will be your fall. And we are relating this today to families, the house of a family. And why families are so important. Families cannot be built on the sand, but it's got to be built on the rock. So why would somebody in this portion of Scripture be foolish? I put it to you, family, because it's more comfortable. If you want to be comfortable, you just reject the Word of God. That's simple. Look at this. We are not living in a non-biblical world. We are living in an anti biblical world. It's not that people say, well, I don't believe in God and therefore I'm not going to apply the principles or that's not why I'm going to believe anymore. That used to be a, maybe a couple of years ago. I don't know God. I, I don't know about what he's talking about. So I, I find it difficult to apply those things. We are living in a society where people are anti-Bible. I'm not going to do that. I hate the Bible. I don't want to do this. I don't believe in your God. People are anti the Bible, movements, lobby groups coming against the church because the church is telling them, unite as families, do the right thing, be right in the sight of God. And people say, I'm anti that, I'm anti Bible. The reason why people build on the sand is because sand is formable, you can shape it. So when you lay down in the sand and when you get up, your shape, it looks like you. But if you lay down on the rock, especially if you say, lay down on your stomach on, on, on the rocks, they're at the beach in Durban or Cape Town or whatever. When you get up, you will see all the marks of the jagged edges and, and rocks, and it shapes you and you look like the rock. God wants us to conform to Him, family. I don't know about you, but I don't want a God that is so small that will change and that I can manipulate. I want a God that is greater, that is bigger, that I have to conform to Him because my relationship must be built on the rock, not me shaping my God like sand. You see, families built on the sand, they have failure, they have pain, they have generational poverty because they are trying to say, I'm gonna shape my God. The way I wanna live my life, that is my God. You're making another image of God which the Bible says clearly is wrong. There will be generational poverty. There will be more pain. 
There could even be hatred. There could be unforgiveness in relationships because it's not built on the rock. It's built on the sand because it makes you feel more comfortable. So, how, do, how to build your family to last? How do I build my family to last? A couple of things that I'm going to talk to you about today. Number one, surrender your life and your family to the lordship of Jesus and his word. The Bible we decided long ago is the final authority in our home. If the Bible says it this way, we're going to do it that way. We also agreed that if we make any significant decision, even if it's a financial decision, even if it's a decision we're going to go here on holiday or we're going to do this, we're going to renovate the home, whatever it is, if we're going to make a significant decision, we will, together in prayer, consult God. The Bible does not tell you which school to send your kids to. It doesn't say there in Isaiah 33 verse 5, take your child to this school. It doesn't say that. Neither does it say how to handle the, the project if you're renovating your home. It doesn't say that. So we have to pray about what is the mind of God and come in agreement with the Spirit of God. You see, when you pray, the Bible says in Romans, which is not in my notes, but I'm just sharing it here with you today, is that it says in Romans is that once you prayed in the Spirit, your, the Holy Spirit is praying with your spirit. And then when you look, verse 27, when you look into your heart, you will know what the mind of the Spirit is. Whatever your question is, God will answer it for you because you will know what is the mind of the Spirit. But you have to pray. You see, you can't just say, well, I know God, I know the Holy Spirit, I think this is what He will do. No, family, we have to pray about it so that we can have the mind and agreement of the Spirit of God. You see, if you don't consult with God and you pray, uh, uh, you've gone your own way. If you don't consult with God and pray, you've gone your own way. Look what the Bible says in Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Notice that, everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Now that sounds quite harsh because it sounds like that God just wants to punish us. I mean, the iniquity of us all has been laid on us if we don't obey and we go our own way. But I don't know about you. I have kids and I have grandkids and my grandkids, I mean, I just love them. I got two of them and the one calls me grandpa and the other one calls me opa. And uh, uh, Seth always says, grandpa, you can do it. He's my biggest cheerleader encourager. And then my little one, Connor, who's only two years old, he always, when he sees me, even maybe today, when he sees me on, 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 the, on the broadcast, he's most probably gonna point the whole time and say, Opa, Opa, Opa. And I love them to bits. But if they're gonna do wrong, I'm gonna help them on their way. And I'm gonna show them this is not the right way. But I love them. And I just, and I want you to know that that's what God has for you. God loves you, family. And he wants to do the same for you. He wants the best for you and your family. But we can't follow our own way. We've got to be founded on the rock. We've got to make God our first priority as not only for myself, but as a family. Look how, look how caring God is. Look at this. You know this scripture in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, when God is shepherding me, he's telling me this way, don't go that way. 
there will be nothing that I will lack in my life. It goes on to say, he will then make me to lie down in green pastures. Not uh, like, a, like a year up in Gauteng in winter, it's all just brown and dusty and green pastures. I love that. He leads me beside the still waters, not stormy situations and uh, conditions. He restores my soul. When I'm perhaps a little bit anxious, he will restore my soul. You see, the world does not understand the peace that we have or we get from God. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. God leads me. He tells me, go this way. He shows me through his word. It's a lantern unto my feet. It's a lamp. It guides me. As I walk, I don't stand still. As I'm walking, his word is a lantern unto my feet to tell me in the way that I should go. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And it goes on to say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, on the shadow of death, that will, if you will go through the valley of shadow of death. Even if I go through things that is unimaginable, which people want to say, where is God in this? Even if I go through that, says, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff are the things that helps me, that pulls me back, that guides me in this direction tells me when this happens, when that happens, and that is what the Word of God does. It goes on to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love that. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. In other words, God will bless you so much so that it will be abundantly, super abundantly running over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, I will be in church all the time. Amen? Number two, trust God as your heavenly Father to meet your needs and care for you. This point here, the context of this is, and the scripture we're about to look at in Matthew 6, is that it's, the context is money. You cannot serve money or mammon. Mammon is the worldly system or the money system. You cannot be a slave to mammon or the money system. It's not um, a, a, a hypothetical money. It's not you know, it's spiritual money. No, it's talking about money. Look what it says here in Matthew. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be, be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There it is very clear what he's saying. He goes on to say, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. You see, we, we, we're not sure how we are to serve God. We are not to worry about our life. Amen? Because God will take care of it. What you will eat or what you will drink, people are concerned about that. Nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather. And so here yeah, he's talking about in the psalm that God really will take care of you every area of your life. Are you not more value than they, the birds of the air? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to its stature? Your family, you are not going to grow taller <laughs> if you worry about your, 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 your height. If you're short, 
uh, you know, I'm very tall, you know, as you can see, about six foot or, and so. But so I don't worry about my stature or my, you know, because I know I can't add any more cubits to it. But there are people that worry about those kind of things. Can you believe it? I mean, I'm not tall enough. That's why I wear high heels or low heels. I don't know what that is. But people worry about, why worry about these things? And look what it says here. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the valley, how they grow, how neither they tall nor spin, but it just grows, okay? And, and even Solomon, I mean, he was the richest man in the world, okay? And all his glory was not arrayed like any of these. That goes on to say, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today here and gone tomorrow, um, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Goes on to say, Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you are in need of all these things. So family, the context here is money. Are you going to serve God as, or money as your God? Or are you going to allow God to take care of you, and then money will come? Is your order perhaps money, 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 no God and no family? Remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about family values and what the priorities should be in our family. Look what it says in 1 John. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life goes on to say, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of, the, of God abides forever. Both Pastor Simone and I decided three months after we got born again, the Lord spoke to both of us and told us to tithe. We had to tell one another. I mean, uh, I thought, Lord, you must speak to her. And, 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 then, and then I'll know, you know. And, and, and she said the same. The Lord spoke to her at the same time, not knowing this. You must speak to me. And we came together and we said, I believe we have to tithe. And we've been tithing now for 22 years. Never, 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 ever, ever, ever have we missed a tithe. There has been times and seasons in our lives which we could not afford to tithe, but we tithe. There were seasons in our lives where we did not have an income but we tithe. There were times when we didn't have the money or we thought we could use it differently, but nevertheless, we tithe. And I can assure you this, that God has never forsaken us because we have kept to our covenant of tithing. But he blesses us continuously and he proves himself faithful. Amen. And family, I want to encourage you, if you're not a tither and you're going through difficult times, and you're trying to make money your priority. You're making your social standing your priority. And you want your family to be lost, not even close. You have, to, you have to change some things. Make a decision today that I'm going to enter into covenant so that he can take care of me, so that I don't have to worry about these things. God will, I promise you, I am a product of tithing. God has never forsaken me. He has always proved to be faithful. Look at this. If you cannot have a trusting relationship with God as your father, 
you will have a wrong relationship with money. So if you choose mammon or the money system, you will have pain. That's just the way that it works. Your trust has got to be in God. Your trust has got to be in the things that He will provide for you. But if you choose money or the mammon system, you're going to have pain. Because it's amazing. People that, that, that go after money never have enough. Never have enough. Number three. Think about the generational effects of your behavior and plan accordingly. Be intentional about planning for your generation to come. What and how you will give them, your children, an advantage. How you will raise them up, how you will train them in the ways of God. You see, if you plan well, you will give your children your generations after you, you will give them an advantage if you live your life correctly in a family environment. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Did you notice that? It doesn't say just to his children, but to his children. In other words, to your grandchildren. A good man. That means that somebody has planned this, somebody's looked after this, somebody is considering family and the generations to come far more important than just money. Amen? Number four, keep your family in a Bible preaching and believing church where they can be grounded spiritually, not just blood, but spiritually grounded and built strong relationships in the house of God. I'm so proud of my family. And I thank God that we all serve the Lord. My wife, my son Chris came back to the Lord, restored his relationship with God. His fiancee Cindy, I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord. Tiffany and Travis, they built their house on the rock. And one day, also my grandkids will serve the Lord. They are little young ones at this stage. But they will, because they're going to follow the example of the family and the pattern, not on sand, but on the rock that I'm giving them today. I'm so proud of them. It didn't come easy. There was a high price to be paid. It was not always like this. But God changed us and He can change you. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews let us consider one another in order to stir up love in the family and good works in the family towards one another. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in this manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It is just wonderful to be with other believers, family, and to share common values. I'm so grateful that I have a spirit family. And my spirit family is my church family. You are my spirit family. Many of you are blood and spirit family. And I want you to know that that's just so awesome. And I'm declaring today to you that we are going back to church. The government needs to get their act together and they need to start managing this pandemic right and stop making excuses where we're at. There are people dying. There are people suffering. Our people are struggling. 
because they don't have jobs, they don't have food to eat, their family system because of that is falling apart. We cannot allow it as the church. Start managing government. Start doing the right thing in Jesus. Now, I'm not promoting vaccine or not vaccine. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying manage this pandemic right. Get it right because you're hurting the people and you're hurting families. And that is on you. We need you, family. Let me talk to you. We need you. The church needs you. Hey, let me put it this way. You need the church more. You need the church more. You need the church to build you spiritually. You can only do that when spirit connects with spirit. Blood connects with blood. Person connects with blood. This five meter high fives is nonsense. <laughs> we got to build strong relationships in person and with in-person church meetings. We were created that way to be social beings, to connect with one another. I don't know about you, but when I'm here at the church and I hear the praise and worship live, it's so much better than watching it online because I've done that. You see, you cannot get wet by watching someone shower or hearing them in the shower. If you want to get wet, you've got to get in the shower. The same is for the church. You've got to come back to church. When this thing is over in the next two or three weeks, when we call, you've got to respond, family. We've got to get back in the church. We've got to build the church because if you can build yourself as a blood family, as a spiritual family, then you can grow as a family and you can influence your neighborhood, your other groups and the country eventually. Strong families build strong nations. Dads, men, we have to stand up. We have to lead. The time is now to lead, not to step down. No stepping down now because that's just an excuse. I'm sorry if I'm a little bit hard. I know many of you are watching online. But when this is over, we need to recommit to coming back. We need to get back, family, so we can build strong families. So we can be active in the body. So you can grow and you can build your family. I know there are, there are amongst you some Josephs. Joseph was rejected, hated by his siblings, banished. But Joseph, God used him to create a plan for a nation to be birthed. Some of you, you are the only one in your family. You are the first. God is going to use you to be the Savior for that family. I'm not talking about the Savior like Jesus Christ or Messiah. I'm meaning you will be the first one that will bring them to Christ. You are the Joseph. Start there today because then you're going to build strong families. Through you, God will birth a new family. Not only a blood family, but also a spiritual family. Amen. Did you receive the word this morning? So every head bowed. Let me pray for you before we go. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I pray, first of all, that you would give your people, your families, that you would give them the right attitude about money and how being in covenant with you, Lord God, will protect them, will prosper them so they can be a blessing to their families. Father, I pray for a right attitude about family. Not Batmans, not Hulks, not superheroes, just family. Just mom and dad and the children. Grandpa, grandma. Right attitude about families. 
No solo flyers, but families. Not I want to do my own thing and make some money. Families. Yeah, but my family gives me a hard time. No, no. Families. I pray for that father in the name of Jesus. And I release the anointing for a husband and wife to be good husbands or fathers and mothers to their children. I bind every work of the devil over their lives. And I command unity in the family in the name of Jesus. Now, if you agree with that, come on, give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are here today watching and you're saying, Pastor Johnny, but I don't know Jesus. I heard that I must bullet on the rock and that's Jesus. I don't have that rock. I'm in the sand. How can I make it better? Well, you can just commit your life and say, I want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. And I promise you, friend, He will come through for you. He will work for you. So tonight, uh, sorry, so today, I want you to know that if you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, He's going to do an amazing miracle in your life. If that is you, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to say, that's me. I need you to say it in your heart, the Bible says. You must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. If that is you, wherever you are, just say it. That's, that's me. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you now. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Say, yes, that's me. Maybe you're in the airport right now. Maybe you're driving in a car. Maybe you are with your family. Just say it in your heart. Say it out aloud for yourself. Yes, that's me. Say, I want to receive you as Lord and Savior. Now I'm going to ask you, won't you say this prayer with me? Amen? Because we've got to pray this and make a public declaration of our faith. Say this with me. Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I believe it in my heart and I now say it with my mouth that Jesus came to this earth to die on a cross for me so I can be free. He went to hell in my place so I am saved from going to hell. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray this. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.